0: Hello and welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I would love to live in Terry Gilliam's head. And I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss Twelve Monkeys, which released in 1995. Written by David Webb Peoples and Jeanette Peoples and directed by Terry Gilliam. Ian, when you give us the synopsis?
1: Well, in 1997, a deadly virus escapes into the world and kills 5 billion people. In the future of 2028, everyone lives underground and volunteers are sent out to try to find samples to help the humans get back to the surface. One such volunteer, Cole, played by Bruce Willis, is tasked with travelling back through time to find the pure virus and help the human race.
0: (laughs) So, this film has um, a title or a tagline that pops up saying inspired by the film Le Jeté, which is a a 1962 French film, uh, which is told in black and white, mostly Still images. Yeah, and it tells the story of a soldier or a person who kind of witnesses a death. He's existed post World War Three. Yeah, and he time travels back to try and find a way to prevent what what's coming. Yeah, and uh, and so that really is the groundwork, the basis for Twelve Monkeys, in essence. Yeah, although this, of course, has Terry Gilliam's complete mental. over imaginative kind of aspect to the filmmaking side of it yeah uh, but it's also interesting that uh, that, that uh, Gilliam also said he never saw Le Jeté and he refused to watch it until after he had made his movie nice because he didn't want to have it in his mind to see the parallels he said it would just be a creative block having it there nice um, but uh, I also find it interesting that I mean it, it's it's almost a miracle that this film ever got made if anybody really knows Terry Gilliam and the problems he's had with making films like he is like an art house independent kind of filmmaker yeah and uh, and of course he had a big falling out with Universal Studios over Brazil and of course Terry Gilliam uh, one thing he wants as a filmmaker is creative control mm-hmm. and final say on the final edit of the film. And Universal will like we don't like Brazil. The ending's too dark. You're gonna, we're gonna change the ending for you. We're gonna do this and we're gonna do that. And... To
1: what? What are you gonna change Brazil's ending? To? It,
0: it, exactly. And so, uh, it, it, you know, and, and when Terry Gilliam was like, "I'm gonna do Twelve Monkeys," and he was like, "Which studio is making it?" Oh, it's Universal Studios. <laughs> I mean, at first he was surprised that Hollywood were interested in what he considered a an art house script or, yeah. or movie anyway. Uh, But he did end up striking a deal with them. But Universal also said, we will give you final cut so long as you use these actors, not the ones you want, Mm. which was Jeff Bridges. Uh, (laughs) But you're going to use these actors and you're also going to make sure the film is this rating and it comes in under this amount of time. Then you get final cut. And so a deal was made. Nice. But the budget for the film was also about 29 million, which meant the actors involved all took pay cuts as well. Now, this film also, as well, struck gold with the fact that... With the casting of uh, Brad Pitt, Mm. who, at the time... You know, these films hadn't been released when the contract was signed. Like, uh, Interview with a Vampire. Oh, right. Seven... And I think there was another film as well, which were, you know, those were the films that helped put Brad Pitt on the map. Yeah. And so by the time 12 Monkeys came out, Brad Pitt was now this the, the number one Hollywood heartthrob. Yeah, yeah. Which just meant people went to see 12 Monkeys because, like, we know who Brad Pitt is and well, everyone knows who Bruce Willis is. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, most people would go to a film and think, I'm going to see a Bruce Willis movie. With 12 Monkeys, you're seeing a Terry Gilliam movie.
1: Yeah. I absolutely love... Terry Gilliam I mean everything that he does in Monty Python is just gold uh Time Bandits is like a childhood fucking lush like Brazil um what did, what did he do Imagine- Fisher King Fisher King Imaginarium of Dr Panassus yeah. I believe he did as well I mean that was a weird movie you know when you go to see a Terry Gilliam movie you're seeing a Terry Gilliam movie and When 12 Monkeys dropped back in 1995, I mean, I think I was still kind of naive when it came to looking at films, but the lineup struck me. I'm like, Terry Gilliam, Brad Pitt, Bruce Willis. Like, like like Gary just said, with Brad Pitt, he was a big fucking name. So I'm seeing him in this film, which I didn't think I'd see Brad Pitt in this kind of film. But when I was watching 12 Monkeys for this review, I'm like, man, has he always been this good? like like i've seen a lot of up-to-date brad pitt stuff you know and he's amazing in that and then you go back and watch him in his older stuff and you go man he's amazing in that like is he always just fucking on i i don't know but 12 monkeys you know 5 billion people die from a deadly virus like if that's not fucking relatable you know, for the entire fucking world. I don't know any storyline that you can't get behind. You know, this is a dystopian future. This is just... The time travel aspect as well with this movie is, I think, some of the best time travel sci-fi out there. And there's a lot. You know, we sit there and we go, oh, Bill and Ted's cool. Back to the Future's alright. You know, Terminator, alright. You know, even Avengers, they've, they've gone back through time and tried to explain it. Twelve monkeys just goes, now, nah, here you go. Keep
0: I like the fact that it doesn't explain time travel and that those that are time traveling... Well, it's not an exact science no, either. No, no, <laughs> of course not. No. Are
1: those people even scientists? Like, this is... Whenever there's a dystopian future, I always see
0: that the people in charge are just the people who just happen to get into charge. Yeah. You know, we... Should we let's jump jump into the movie now? The film opens with the uh, with the with the with the text crawl, as you've said, explain, yeah, yeah, explaining explaining yeah. the uh, the scenario, and of course Terry Gilliam. That was not his original artistic vision for the start of the film, but oh. it was suggested to him that like, audiences were so confused to begin with as to what was going on. Yeah, that I like just that. a little bit of an explanation. It, it it immediately puts you as an audience in the mindset. You know roughly now where you are, so yeah, you're not immediately trying to figure out what the hell Bruce Willis is doing in this opening. Yeah. And, uh, and of course it opens on a child, a child's eyes. Yeah. And we see this blurry dreamlike scenario playing out before him. And it doesn't make any sense. And then we cut obviously to that, that dystopian
1: future. Yeah. I did, Visually like Terry Gilliam just makes things just look dirty and dark.
0: Yes. And... Yeah. And I, and I, and I love the fact that like the set dressing for this dystopian yes. future is, is really amazing. And, uh, that the set designers, you know, they were, everyone was on a budget. Everyone was tight. And it, it kind of reminds me of, like, uh, the production on Alien, where they were just, like, going to dumpsters. They were going to yeah, trash heaps yeah. and just going, that, 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 that. Let's make this. Well, well, that's what I get. Because if this
1: is a dystopian future, most of this stuff has just Would been be junk anyway. junked together, yeah. kind of held together. And, like, you've got these cages and Cole wakes up. And it's like they're, they're looking for volunteers. They called your name. And it's like, really? And they, him and his cellmate, they joke about how some volunteers, they never come back, but that's because they're living up the high life somewhere else. You know, they're giving pardons and shit. And then you see the hook come down and and kind of wheel him off. And he has to get ready in his rubber suit to step outside. The
0: suit's amazing. Oh, man. Look at the details on it. You're just like, that looks like a functional piece of kit that you would need to go out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, they they said of the design of, like, the the, the capsule that he goes in later and of the suit that it was like a giant condom, basically. Like, complete protection from the the environment. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the wasteland.
1: Oh man, like he's gone out there. You've already heard from the audio as well of the automated voice or somebody on the radio saying, like, if your suit tears or comes off or is unzipped, you are you're not gonna be let back in. And so when they step outside, I was a I was slightly kind of confused re-watching this, because I'm like, you've got to accept it's winter. It's not a nuclear winter. Yeah. Or you know, that that's not what happened. But then you've got the destroyed buildings. You know, uh, you've got the. Just
0: want a little bit of trivia for yeah. you. It's, it's shot in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. And it's not snow. It's actually dry ice. It was actually ice that they got and they broke up all of the ice <laughs> to make it look like snow. And uh, you can't tell. And it looks really effective. That's it. Everything is just so practical. Him walking around. There's a fucking bear.
1: Bart! One... <laughs> it's Bart the bear! <laughs> no. That's not a CGI bear. That's a real acting bear there, and you know, like he scares Bruce Willis and 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 Cole. Well, Bruce Willis Cole's character is scared back. For me, it's 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 easy to kind of get into the mindset that this guy has not known any other type of life other than underground, and then coming out to the surface in this rubber suit, having to deal with things that he just doesn't understand. You know, the way he's collecting samples and, he, and he's bringing them back, you know, because he's a good observer. That's what they say. He's got a good, strong mind. And so when they get him back inside and they've decontaminated him, they're like, okay, Cole, you know, I love, I just love the, the lineup of those guys there with the little glasses, like, we're so smart, Cole, and you're so dumb, but we're going to explain to you that if you go to the future and then somebody else will start talking and start up their sentence and it will jump back and forth. And so
0: you do get, Quite early on, if you're really thinking about it, is he mad? Oh, this film is a complete exploration into into madness as well as life and death and, and all of those things. It's very, it's like a cycle. Yeah, like <laughs> 12 monkeys all in a row. And so you'll go from insanity <laughs> to sanity and back around again. Or so will the characters and so will you trying to figure out the puzzle. Yeah. Which all the pieces are there. Even though, even when you assemble the puzzle, there's still an air of ambiguity as to, what was actually real, not real
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so the 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 gist of the the film now is that they they ask him if he's prepared to travel back in time to complete this assignment. Yeah. Which is to figure out who the the army of the twelve monkeys are. Yeah. Because in the future they believe that this army is the cause of the apocalypse. And so he's gonna be sent to nineteen ninety six to figure it out and then they'll pull him back. Now, uh I just want to I also just want to talk about the set here the set where they put him in this chair and he gets <laughs> elevated yeah. up yeah. and there's this great big robotic ball, ball yeah. eyeball thing yeah. that has all the computer monitors on it which are, and uh, this was again another breaking point for Terry Gilliam on the film uh, Terry Gilliam lost the plot several times in the making of this film he he walked off set yeah Uh, he ended up going into his trailer for an hour he had arguments with the producers and told them find another director to direct the film because i'm off i'm done i can't do this anymore yeah you know under the pressure of the budget under the pressure of the studio and he struggled to realize his creative vision he saw the film in his mind and even though he had so many talented people all doing what he told them to do, mm. the image being created was not what he had in his mind. And so as an artist, he was having a complete mental break whilst trying to make this film. And yeah. the robot head, that, you know, it's on it's on like a, like a crane. So there's all these pneumatic parts that are moving it. But because it's on this crane, so if the crane wobbles a little bit, the eyeball shakes violently. Yeah. And so it all looks really cheap and naff. But then, I, in, but then, in the final thing they were looking at, it and they went, "But that actually works. That, it doesn't it, look it, bad yes. now. It's in film
1: because because of the setting, the dystopian. This thing is going to shake and wobble. It's not going to yeah. be perfect. And I, it's like, the imperfections that made it perfect in a way. <laughs> and it's just.
0: But knowing that when you're making it,
1: yeah. I mean, crazy thing is, we've said this a number of times. You get those some directors that will shoot a shot a hundred times to get it absolutely right.
0: Terry Gilliam was one such director. <laughs> yeah, There's have. a documentary that's even named after it. It was called The Hamster Factor and Other Tales of Twelve Monkeys. And that is because Gilliam, like, so focused on the detail. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's got Bruce Willis in the shot. He's in, he's in the scene where he's pulling, drawing blood from himself. Right, okay. And... They did that shot again and again and again and you know, like the producer's like Gilliam, like we're on a schedule like universal have said the film is done by this date we can't keep shooting this and he's like the hamster in the wheel needs to be running on the wheel <laughs> so bruce i'm sorry you're doing great but the hamster needs to be running on the wheel for this take and so again and again and again right, and again yeah. so like even though the actors and everything is perfect a tiny detail in the corner that no one's even focused on so, because you're going to focus on it Again, else, well? the insanity yeah. of, of Gilliam
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I totally get it, Terry I, I'm behind you all the way Because, you know, once you put those shots together And the fact that now it jumps ...to 1990... ...Baltimore... ...and we're introduced to... ...Madeline Stowe's character... ...Dr. Riley... ...uh... ...man... ...Madeline Stowe... ...Last of the Mohicans... Oh, ...she yeah. is
0: absolutely gorgeous... <laughs> ...I like... She's,
1: ...she's done a shit ton of stuff... ...I really liked her in... ...We Were Soldiers... ...but yeah... ...Last of the Mohicans is... ...like if you haven't seen it... ...go see it... And ...then come back and watch... Twelve Monkeys... ...um... ...and you get her... ...involvement in this case now... ...because she's been called... ...by the police... ...because they've got a guy... ...locked up... ...who's crazy crazy strong he's acting out he's been he, he's you know talking about people dying and stuff and so she comes across bruce willis caged in this uh in this police station and he's been drugged up you know um
0: i also love the 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 parallels from the future to the present oh, where yeah you know where he's being escorted around by by a white dude and a black dude yeah, you know, yeah. he's put through this shower system vigorously rubbed yeah. and then in the the, in the past, you know, he's being escorted around by a black dude and a white dude. He's being put through the prison system. He's been put through the showers and he's being scrubbed all down. Yeah. So it's just like, there's, it, it, the parallels are great. That's, that's like I said, that's where the magic comes in. Because seriously,
1: as I was watching this for like the hundredth time for this review, I started to really question like, is all, is all this in his head? Because they've got all these parallels to all these things. And the way that Madeline Stowe's character she she's integral because she recognizes him right off the bat when they're in the police station she's like i'm sure i know you from somewhere and he's like you can't uh, because he knows he comes from the future and he's in the wrong place and the police are just like look we don't buy your story we don't think you're insane we just think you know you're a bad guy but we're we're gonna ship you off to the mental asylum and he gets shipped off there and, you know, all Cole wants to do is gather evidence so that he can send it back to find about the army of the 12 monkeys. But he he's smart enough as well that when he gets to the mental asylum and he has his sit down with these scientists again. Much oh, oh, very the future, another parallel. Yeah. Uh, they, they're like, you know, explain it to me. And he's he's like, you won't know about this. It's only 1990. I was supposed to be sent to 1996. I'm, I'm six years well off. You know, and he's he's got this phone number, then he's got a ring, and you get that amazing moment where the <laughs> mum picks up the phone, she's like, Who? What? There's no scientist here, put she, that
0: down. She's she got a kid she, eating <laughs> out of the dog bowl, you know she's like, I can't be dealing with this. I don't know what you're talking
1: about. Is this
0: a joke? I don't know any scientists. And
1: it's just and it's just so brilliant that because obviously if you watch, you know, like 1995, I didn't fully get this first time watching it, but watching enough time travel stuff, I'm like, they'd be monitoring that. You know, it's only a few moments for them. because, Well, 35 years, 40 years, whatever. But Cole's now got to sit and wait. And that's when, obviously, he's led into the mental asylum and he's introduced to Brad Pitt. (laughs) 1995, pre-2000, still haven't done Fight Club yet, but he's just
0: done a vampire movie, so he's looking pretty hot, Brad Pitt, who is crazy as fuck. Now, there's one thing that's really... uh drew in brad pitt and bruce willis to this yeah. project is the fact that they got to play characters that they don't ordinarily play oh, yeah. now now when when uh, when gilliam sat down with bruce willis he just went these are all the things that you do that make john mcclain john mcclain you are not allowed to do any of these things in this film or you're <laughs> out <laughs> Because you are not John McClane, okay? John McClain, no. You are you are James Cole, yeah. And this is the character, and so it was a transformation. It was a chance for Bruce Willis to show yeah. this vulnerability, yeah. You know, <laughs> he's childlike and in some moments, in, in some like he hasn't yeah. really come grown up. Yeah, and uh, and and the same is also uh, for Brad Pitt here. Mm. Now, um, Brad Pitt had to, you know, Terry Gilliam got, had a panic and realized that Brad Pitt's not actually yet ready to deliver this character. So he actually took him to go and get speech. ...training and to go and see doctors... ...and apparently Brad Pitt checked himself into an asylum... ...once Mm. he had done some of this training and didn't let anybody know and they almost didn't let him out because he was delivering this manic i'm brad pitt no yeah. you're not man get back in your bed he was delivering this manic <laughs> depressive schizophrenia yeah and uh and uh and of course he had the the contact lens as well yes and so he uh, there's there's an unfounded story as well that, that gilliam took away brad pitt's cigarettes which helped, <laughs> that. helped him with that kind of uh, Agitated, energy. kind of stressed. Like yeah. I just want to get through this but scene. Kind all, of. all of the ticks and and all of the, the the way, like the rapid speech that I, he goes through. I love through. the way he
1: does his finger at people. He's like.
0: <laughs> You're like, "Oh, his speech as well about consumerism yes. and everything else." Oh, That it's... was pre
1: Fight Club. Yes, I know. I was just like, I was just like, you can see from here yes. to Fight Club the link. Yes, yes, yes. So there's another link as well it comes up later where Cole actually says to Madeline so at one point, "All I see is dead people." I and know.
0: I'm like, "This is 4 <gasps> years before Sixth sense." <laughs> yeah. And it's also in Philadelphia. <laughs> it's the same city. Oh Jesus. You killed that. I see it dead people.
1: Come on. <laughs> it's just amazing. But, you, yeah, you have Brad Pitt trying to explain everything to Cole. Cole not fully understanding what's going on. I mean, you have that brilliant moment where he eats a spider because he wants to take back a sample to the future, but he hasn't got any way to do it. And then Brad Pitt comes up with this whole escape plan for him. He's just like, escape key monkey. And he blows his key up and... <laughs> Bruce Willis is still sat there completely drugged up, not, not knowing what's going on. But he manages to escape for a little while. You know, there's some weird parallels going on. Like like you have the guard sitting there telling him not to use a certain elevator. And he, he visualizes one of the guards from the future. But I'm like, is it like Time Cop? where they sent people back just to keep an eye on you and so
0: he's actually there well it's like the other inmate that he met that's like yes i'm from i'm i'm fighting the barbarians on pluto in yeah. my actual reality and sometimes i'm here in this asylum i've been time displaced yeah and then he pan down to see his bunny slippers and you're just like how much can you believe a man that says something like that? Well, this
1: is it. For Cole, it's enough because he starts to question, like, okay, is is this real? And, you know, when he tries to escape, they capture him again. They lock him up. They drug him up. They stick him in a cage. And he just disappears. Back to the future. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really nice that the film does kind of still focus on the people in the present to say, okay, what the hell's kind of going on? Who is this guy? You know, and, and then we jumped and he gets pulled up in front of the scientist again. He gets questioned, did you just look for women and drugs cold? Did you fall in love with that era? And he's like, no, sir. No, I, I honestly tried to get information for you. You sent me to the wrong time. You know, I, I ate a spider, a spider for you, but you know, and they're thinking, no, you know, he's good. He, he he's good. He's got a good mind. We're getting ready to go back. And this whole setup again for the second time jump.
0: I like the fact that we don't see it too much. Yes, I love that too. Because, I mean, Gilliam and Bruce Willis, they laughed when they looked at the script because it was just like, and Cole gets placed into a time machine capsule. So it was like, so like they had to like come up with what, everything that was going to be in that yeah. like, three second shot. And yeah. again, it, like this great big industrial time machine, again, put in like a wrapped condom thing. Yeah. And then just, Fired. Fired into it. I,
1: like, I kind of started overthinking it. I'm like, so they're firing him at maybe the speed of light down <laughs> this thing? Like, is he moving up? Yeah, he the science doesn't matter. I, it's the fact that it works.
0: Yeah, it did. But it not correctly.
1: Yeah. And then we're, we're 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 thrust not back to where we want to be, but to fucking World War One. You know, we're in a battlefield. A French at the French, trench, moment, yeah. You know, and, and Cole is naked. He's he's scared. He doesn't know what's going on. He's about to get shot, and he happens to see one of his prisoner inmates. It's Jose
0: again from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, being carried on a stretcher, and they kind of reach out to each other. And Cole is shot uh, in the leg, and then he's fired off again. And we're back to Baltimore, you know. We're back to Madeleine Stowe. She's given a presentation on kind of apocalyptic predictions, s- prediction, yeah. and then people in time. And I, I love that little detail. I mean, I know it's obviously not really real, but I love the fact that she brings up the one from like thirteen hundred A.D. or whatever who was speaking perfect English about a virus that was going to wipe us out. And then she brings up this soldier that from World War One could speak perfect English and was talking about you know, uh, a virus in the future. And that, this is very sneaky of the movie, but it's just enough. David Morse playing Dr. Peters, he kind of just slips himself in there with his sneaky fucking ponytail and he kind of just... Oh, wow,
0: well, you know, Dr. Riley. The human race can't sustain itself mm. with overpopulation and overconsumerism of products and stuff. Don't you think that we're at the point that we should be wiped
1: out, you know, and uh, humans are rich? Re- and she's like, ha, 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 yeah, yeah, okay, mate, yeah, okay. Signs his book and kind of sends him on his way. And you, you don't think about it, and it's really nicely done. I really love the way that it's kind of just snuck in there for you to keep your mind completely focused on coal, Dr. Riley and the Army of the Twelve Monkeys. Yeah,
0: well, like I said, this film is like a, a puzzle and there are so many pieces and you just don't know how they fit yet. Yeah. And uh, and, the, and the film keeps doing that, giving keep, keep, you another couple of pieces to play with um, before we are now... What critics and the most obvious criticisms of the film is is that the pacing here now falls a little bit flat. Where really? Where we develop... Cole and, and Catherine's characters ah. um under the abduction kind of scenario. Yeah, yeah. Where she's basically a hostage to him and for the most I mean, originally in in the original script, she is just carted around by him until the end of the film. Yeah, yeah. Until you know, there's there's a midpoint in the film where she actually has the opportunity then to escape from him. When he gets out of the car and he's pulling off all of these posters going, look, the 12 monkeys, the 12 monkeys. And she locks the car doors and she's like, I can escape now. See, for me, she's
1: already admitted, like I said, in the police station, she already admitted that she knows him. And we've already seen her in the dream sequence at the beginning. So this woman, for me, is so integral to the story. Cole is better off away from her than actually staying with her because... You know, I'd, like we said, from the dream that we've seen and the flashes that we keep seeing in, in, in Bruce Willis's dreams is that whatever he saw as a kid involved somebody dying.
0: Well, as a first time watching the film, you're not entirely sure that is him as the kid. Well, you know, we don't really know. And I mean, even on the first time watching it, I wasn't sure that that Madeline Stowe was Catherine Riley in that dream at the beginning. Well, only it, in. It's this bit
1: now where they're driving around, you know, and he, like, like we said, Bruce Willis is so good at this point in, in, in his career that he's acting like a child listening to music, you know, the air, you know, the wind, like it's, it, he stops being threatening. He's already pulled her into the car. He's scaring her. She thinks he's got a gun, but then he stops being threatening when she realizes that, hold on a minute, he's, this is so natural. She's a, she's a well-trained doctor. All of these emotions she's getting from him, this is all new to him. So something's up. When they get to the motel and he ties her to the bed, he wakes up from his dream and he does say to her that point, because it gets a bit sketchy, he, come, he kind of looms over like he might try to rape her or whatever, but he he, he, he sniffs her and he feels her hair and he says, you, you were in my dream, but your hair was different. And she's just like, what do you mean? And he goes, oh, it's the same dream I've always had since I was a kid. She puts up this whole barrier now in the movie, I find, which is, I, th- I think is really good, where she explains it to Cole that, look, this is all because of everything that's going on. You've you've distanced yourself from reality. You've given up the responsibilities of life. You've created this whole apocalyptic mentality that you're here to save the world, and you're not really, because 5 million people aren't going to die, and you're only thinking of me constantly because of you've kidnapped me and I'm involved in this situation but when they get to Philadelphia and he's just like look it's the army of the 12 monkeys painted on this wall there's that point in the car and she goes no I, I know I, I, I'm i somehow connected to all this they go into that abandoned theater or whatever and those two guys attack man Fuck me, Bruce Willis is so violent in this sequence. I hate to think what Cole had to do as a child,
0: yeah, to survive. To survive. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, yeah. Catherine is almost raped by one of them, and yeah. uh, and and uh, and Cole basically has he yeah, has that moment. He kills them both, yes. Which of course, terrifies Catherine. You know, um, but she understands, kind of. Like, she kind of just got saved, but at the same time, she's still distressed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, they do end up finding where the Twelve Monkeys' hideout may be. Yeah. You know, they follow the paint in there, and he starts questioning them. He's going through the folders and files, and he's just like, you are all responsible. But they're just, like, dumb kids. That's and it. And they're there to protect the animals. But the yeah. thing is, they find the link to the person which, of because he's been foretold by the scientists seeing that the newspaper clippings and the news yeah, reports yeah yeah and then of course he notices the in in the in in the old reports he sees uh jeffrey Goyne's character brad pitt in there so he's yeah. like there's a connection yeah and, and jeffrey's dad christopher Plummer, is yes.
1: like a top virologist i don't know if i'm saying that right but he deals with viruses and, and animal
0: and... studies so we're testing products on animals yeah
1: yeah and so you 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 start to gathered the connection but at this point 1996 Jeffrey Goins Brad Pitt he's actually involved in the science as well he wants to work with his dad which is different to what he was when he was locked up in the mental asylum and so you know Catherine and Cole they drive to the house and I like the stuff in the background as well that you kind of have to pay attention to so, like, there's this whole news report going on about a little boy who's fallen down a well, and the police are trying to rescue him before he dies or whatever. And Cole's just like, nah, they find him in a barn. I remember it from when I was a little kid. And she's like, No, you can't be. You can't you can't know what's going on. He's trapped down this well. And he's just like, Yeah, okay, you you believe whatever you want to believe. And they they drive to the place and he locks Catherine. Well, he 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 has this moment with Catherine where you think he's gonna do something harsh. And when he breaks into Jeffrey Goyne's um, mansion with his father, you hear on the radio that they found a body in the forest of a woman who's been mutilated. So immediately your mind could say, holy shit, he's killed her. And then when he confronts Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt kind of explains to him like, it was all your idea. You told me about this virus from the future that wiped people out and said, hey, shouldn't we wipe people out? So maybe we should get this virus and... Bruce Willis is like, no, that's that's not what I said. I'm...
0: Well, that's the moment that happens. You're just like, oh, my God, is this like a paradox yeah, thing? Is, yeah. is the whole virus only come into existence because he traveled back? But then the virus exists in the first place. But uh... yeah, well, I did.
1: Yeah. It's gone cross-eyed again. But it's it's really, I really love those weird, obscure, off off kilter angles, Terry Gilliam throws yes. in.
0: Yeah, it, it, that is you know the, the the sanity meter. The more tilted <laughs> yeah, it becomes, yeah. 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 Uh, and it, it is you know the Dutch angle. It is is you know putting you off balance basically. Um, and that's how you're kind of meant to feel with that revelation of the fact that he told him about the future, yeah. which gave him the idea to go and act the make the future happen. Yeah. So you're like, is it the causality and an effect, or is it? coincidence it's, it's, or it's, it's time travel minute it's a sketchy fucking yep. thing so uh he ends up having to to fight his way out he beats a few people up on his uh, escape and uh, he runs back he lets her out of the car the boot of the car yes and she's like what have you done you've killed more people and uh, uh but he's just like you know what i could live here like fresh air water yeah. land you know he's so happy but then bump
1: that's all you had do the... what they say okay and i love the frogs yeah. the spiders I'll help you i love that forest bit where she's she's just like no we're gonna get them to come and get you you know you need to be locked up you're 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 all worried and you know they're worried about us and then he's gone and she's so shocked like how there's nowhere he could have gone and she tries to explain it to the police and the policeman's just like well you know you you were shocked you know you're 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 caring for him so you probably let him go But as we're here with her, she starts to notice the little things, you know, the way he was acting, the news report with the little boy, they find him in the barn, you know, she, she, the bullet that she takes out of Bruce Willis's leg from being shot, she gets, it gets analyzed and it's like, look, it's from World War One. She's like, how's that possible? She finds the photo of Jose that she had in her studies, extends it. Bang! There's Bruce Willis. So immediately at this point, I'm like, "Oh, we're all insane then. <laughs>
0: You're we're, right. We're all insane. Then. Exactly. And so when 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 Cole does get sent back, I mean, we, we see him again in the future. His, his insanity is in much more developed because yeah. the scientists have got like this this like cartoon They're covers. Singing. He's so innocent. He's yeah, he, his mind is going, but. You know, he he gets us. He gets and him, composes himself again and says, "Let's send me back. You can't send anybody else. I can finish this job. I know the people involved. Yes. Let me go back." And when he does get sent back, and and uh, and Catherine finds him, he's just like, "No, I'm completely insane. You were right. <laughs> I need to be locked up. Take me away." And she's the one going, "No, you're yes! a time traveler. <laughs> <laughs> These are
1: all the things." It's, it's a... a
0: complete flick, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I don't. I'm I'm with the this fragile way. nature of 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 sanity, I guess." And, yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, like, Catherine Riley's character is, for me, like, the POV character of the film. Even though it is Cole's, it's Bruce's story. Yeah. She's the one who we're with as an audience from the present, seeing these things happen. Yeah. The detective figuring out the time travel stuff, going, okay, these are all these facts, all this evidence now means it's real. Yeah. So we're with her. You know, when he's like, "No, nah, it's all I've made it all up. I'm, I'm insane." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm Because mad. as an audience member, we're like, "No, we've seen it. <laughs> we know. <laughs> we
1: know." But we needed another character to understand it as well, because Cole, as strong as his mind is, wasn't enough to keep traveling through time or much. You know, yeah. he, he hasn't slept properly. You know,
0: in a while. But she brings him back, back to that level, and 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 this is one of my favorite scenes in the film, where they go to the theater, and they're it's yes. a twenty four hour marathon, and they're watching yeah. Vertigo, and of course, like Vertigo is like like an inspiration for so much sci fi stuff that's come after, yeah. You know, with the time travel aspect, and they're sat there like it's kind of like us, isn't it? I
1: absolutely love that line from Bruce Willis, and I think I try to just. Keep that in my head when I watch films.
0: What about how films never change, but you do? It never changes, but
1: you grow up, you become more mature, you know, you understand it, you see more things. And, you know, like we said, it's the hamster on the wheel. After a while, I would notice if that hamster's not running or not. Because every time I watch it, it's not changed, but I, I'm I'm looking for more. I I want to bring up the uh, the hotel moment when they snuck to the hotel, and um, you know they, they, this hotel is just used for prostitutes and businessmen. But Madeline still is using it to try to convince Cole, like, look, you know, you, this is all real. Explain this, explain that. And um, this this pimp turns up, and I I look at his face. I'm like, who the fuck are you? And it, I you know it's the bad guy from Long Kiss Goodnight. But Cole beats the shit out of him. And Madeline's like, no, 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 don't kill him, kill him, kill him, stick him in the closet. No, 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 take his money first. He's like, you want me to rob him? And she, because she's now the leader, she's going to drag him. She's like, yeah. And he drags him to the bathroom and he shoves him in the bathroom. And there's this whole moment like you think your Cole's going to kill him. You're screaming. <laughs> yeah. And then Cole comes out. He's got his tooth in his hand. He's just like, look, they're, they're not going to try and track me anymore. Because he kept having these moments with this guy who kept calling him Bob. And I like... I was like, "Is Bob real? Is where where is he? Is Bob there?" And I like to think that the Bob in that we see in the past is a different. Is not the Bob
0: that we see in the future. The Bob in the future hasn't gone to the past yet. It 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 gets to the point where you're like, "Are these time travelers? Are these agents that have been sent back and got lost? They, like the one that you know said about removing his teeth." Yeah. Uh, but then there's a scene later when Catherine finds that that old man again when she goes back to the to the yeah, yeah. monkey's place. And he's got no recollection of her or or of of him. uh, Yeah. But there's also the priest as well, who turns around and goes, he's one of us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think
1: some of them, like, if you do manage to remove your tooth or you might stay, you know, if they've decided not to pull you back from the the past, they're just going to leave you there to try to gather information. I mean, I like to, I was sat there trying to think of what the scientists in the future, how much information they have. Did they always know Cole was going to do this? Did they always know that at some point they would send Cole? You know, like Kyle Reese and John Connor. You yeah. know, Did they always know that they had to get Cole to this point to send him back? They could send back anybody, but it didn't matter. They needed Cole because of the information. The, the, the phone call she leaves, she leaves this mad message that we'd already previously heard in the movie. And when he repeats it to her and the shock on their faces and the realizations that none of the things that they are doing is, is unique because it's already happened. It's already predestined. It's going to continue to
0: always happen. There's a scene as well, uh, just after the theater where, um, you know uh he he walks walks out the film still one of the films is still playing i think it was, it was, he was watching vertigo yeah then birds was on when he woke up hour yeah, it, was, it was birds on when, when, when he wakes up but when he goes outside vertigo is still playing in the background and i was like wait a minute but it for me it's this really intimate a uh, beautiful scene between the two of them where now she's transformed she's dyed her hair just put a wig on yeah you know she's changed her clothes and and she dresses him up as well wig you know mustache yeah and uh and it's and and the conversation is like it. they've they tell each other they recognize each other from before yeah and i was like well is it now because they put on costumes but it's like
1: she's now the girl from his dream yeah yeah that he's always remembered but and he's now the person that she kind of remembers when they yeah. first met
0: but it's it's just it's this moment where for me the, the 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 love story between the two of them that I felt has been brewing throughout the whole film yeah. like this uh this attraction was there despite the hostage taking the the violence the you know all, all of the, the things that they went through yeah. uh, you felt that attraction that chemistry that energy that was there and it only really culminates here now where it's kind of like they they they're aware of it and uh again one of the other criticisms about the the film was the one of them was the pacing and the other one was the love story mm. that it is it is partly a romance um and uh and part of the ending of the film really plays on that emotion but it was this scene here where they've got the wigs on and they've got the costumes but they still it's now that they see each other for who they are for for you know, through yeah. time, I, and, uh, I like the fact that they, they didn't
1: really cross the major threshold for a love story. You know, they didn't kiss, they didn't have sex, they didn't do anything more. For than, me, it's
0: almost that almost makes it even more tragic. Yes, because
1: that's that's it. That's it. The, it was there, it, it, it was there, and they they were they 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 wanted to have a life, and yet here they are, they're trapped, and they they go to this airport because he's never seen the ocean, and she wants to send him away. You know, they're like.
0: There, there was uh, just a, another another little thing that gets brought up when, yeah. when he's in the uh when he's just about to escape the asylum one of the inmates says i hear florida keys is really good this oh, time yeah. of year yeah
1: you florida know, keys just keep
0: it keeps popping, popping up, up throughout yeah. the film yep yeah. and uh and so that's where they're going because he's never seen the ocean as well yeah. uh, and it just so happens to be when he gets in there he's like i recognize this place this is from my dream yeah so as an audience we we already know we feel it we're where it's, it's going
1: it's yeah it's at that point because all the things start slotting the place the police are there well, waiting for them
0: it's at this point as well that we they figured out that the 12 monkeys the army of the 12 monkeys yes. have got nothing to do with the yes. virus yes uh they basically went to the zoo and released all the animals because that was what they were protesting against uh yeah you know his dad against and was stuck his dad testing. in a monkey cage exactly yeah there, you know um so they were just like so he calls up the you know the 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 future future. he calls the the carpet company yeah
1: (laughs) and and i i kind of love this because this this for me is one of those pinnacle points in the movie where i'm i'm not i'm not entirely sure so he leaves this message and immediately jose is there and he's got a gun and he's like dude you've got to you've got to change it the guy is here this is the moment uh if you don't do this, I'm going to have to kill the woman, and Cole's just like, no, you won't, and everybody's watching, you know, we think we see a guard, uh, from the future there as well, did we, did we not, I don't know, and Cole takes the gun, and he's like, okay, and, and, madeline stowe character she turns and she's just she sees dr peter's david morse's character and she puts it together that he's the virologist you know he's made this deadly virus he's going to be going to all these different places around the world and just letting it out and he even lets it out at one point into the like <laughs> <laughs> yep um but it's like for me does this make any difference because they, the, 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 the whole moment at this end where Cole chases after Dr. Peters through the metal detector. The police have caught him, Put see him pulling out a gun. He's got his own child self seeing this moment, watching Madeleine Stowe race after them. You know, it's all Coleman to the point where Cole gets shot and is killed right there. And there's literally... Practically no audio or talking. You know, it's, it, it's just all
0: a very, very um, dreamlike, eerie state, just like yeah, the movie it, 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 the, the, at the m- beginning. Sorry, uh, the the music uh, used in the film. It's uh, Paul Buckmaster. Yeah, and uh, he was of the mindset that the audio and the music for the film should not overpower the film. Yeah, he said, I don't want the audience to know exactly how the film should tell them to feel but to underpin the action and the drama and uh, you know and it was just simple violins really uh, you know i mean it's the music that will hit you in the feels especially mm. in this sequence um now you know th- depending on how invested you are in the romance or how much of a tragedy that you see this or whether you see this as the facts like this has to happen yeah, yeah. in order for the the loop to continue you know it's never ending Um, Well, saying that, I mean, when Dr.
1: When Dr. Peters gets onto the airplane, he sits down next to a woman. And the woman is the woman scientist that we've been seeing from the future. And she happens to mention that she's in insurance. So... When I first watched this movie, I was like, this, it makes no, uh, you know, this, this whole time travel thing is one giant paradox. It's always going to happen. Cole is trapped forever. And the scientist that he's seen in the future is nobody else other than just an insurance woman who's just gone to a position of power. And then when I was watching it for the review and in my own insanity, I was like, what if that message Cole has left has allowed her to travel back, to take that seat, to be there at that point, to find the pure virus, that the virus still kind of has to go out. Five billion people still has to die. Cole still has to travel back. But the moment he sends that message, she gets the pure virus and is able to save the rest of the future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, <laughs> he's just like, yeah, uh, no, yeah. All right, Well, yeah, that's that it. <laughs> now, uh, Terry Gilliam again. He he had he had a big falling outs and arguments with his producers because yeah. his ending was on the emotional beat. Like it is. like because this is Cole's story. This is Cole's mind. Yeah. The moment Cole's dead, the film ends because we shouldn't be knowing what happens post Cole. No, dead. no, we need in to. Gilliam's mind. Yeah, yeah. That's where he was at. He was like the film opens on the kid's eyes. The film ends on the kid's eyes. Yeah, and He yeah, didn't. Yeah. He didn't yeah. get his way. The producers kind of won on this one. But he was happy to let this happen. Yeah. Uh, to have the text at the beginning and 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 uh, he didn't he 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 disallowed the filming of this additional ending. He didn't want it, but he was he, he put up all these barriers to stop it from happening. But he still yeah. did it. Yeah. And uh, and even when it was done, he was like, "It's not going in the final film, though, because I've got final say." But audiences kind of wanted this, and again, it's going back to like the Universal Brazil thing going. Films got to have a happy ending. Well... We, we need to show that it, it works. See, I'm not saying that this ending is a happy no, it, ending. No, it's well, an ambiguous ending. It, but it's... It is a Pandora's box having this airplane scene at the end. Now, according to Terry Gilliam, and because I'm saying it's his film, his vision, <laughs> okay, his mind, okay, yeah, yeah. for him, it was frustrating because he was like, I don't want to just spell it out for the audience going, well, now you've seen The Scientist from the future ensuring... A good outcome. She's mm. going to get the virus, etc. In so, yeah, in his no. mind, it's just showing that Cole's mission success. So it, it wasn't in vain. He didn't die for nothing. And uh, but the other th- the other thing that that makes me question is how much the scientists know, because we don't know how much they know. No, no, yeah. Um, is the fact that the only reason why the virus was made was because of uh, was because of Catherine's character getting involved and interested in. Doomsday prophet sayers, yeah. which in turn got David Morse's character interested in yeah. in in making the virus and doing what she prophesied. What she talked about, the prophecy was. But she only <laughs> found she only started talking about that in
1: 1996 after she'd already spoken to Cole. Ten, exactly, and that, which then and gave the them the idea. idea. So yeah. it's just
0: like, so who caused what idea to make what happen? The cause and effect is 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 yeah.
1: See, as I said, like 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 Bruce Willis said in this movie. When I first watched it as a kid, I didn't see Cole's mission as as a success you know he actually had failed the first time i'd watched this because the virus has still escaped people would still die yeah he's still got locked on the ground
0: it's the film is saying in 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 this this film is saying that the you can't change the fate you can't change the past to the future it's going to happen yeah i get that but
1: at the same time i'm also in the mindset that like as i said i get older that seeing that woman at the end which you know i'm glad i do because it is Cole's story, and we see that last bit with the kid flying off, which really hits in the feels, knowing that his parents are going to probably die of some horrible virus in about seven days. And, and the fact that she sat there, you know, you can easily say, nah, she's got nothing to do with it, she's just a mad woman in the future in control. Or you can have her save the future. That's the beauty of this film, and... It's rare to have that with a movie where you can go, well, actually, I think this. No, actually, I think this. And it doesn't matter because yeah. it, the film what? will always be the same. Yeah. Always. And will never change whatever you think.
0: And there's one thing, <laughs> one thing I did rule out, though, with the, the like, it, it's not a coincidence that it is her there. And it's not 1996-7 version of her. It's yeah. because of the age difference you know she looks the same age as the scientist from the future so it makes me believe it's not past her oh
1: yeah 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 yeah,
0: yeah. I, I i
1: get that but at the yeah. same time we have just been talking to a guy who's been traveling through time he could be mad
0: yeah i know but he's <laughs> dead already so this is for the audience yeah. not for him now so
1: yeah <laughs> can't travel back in time You're whoop, whoop. Uh-uh. not here you trick me. People don't exist. You're not real. I am insane. And you are my insanity.
0: Man, we could talk about this film for uh, yeah. days. Ian, what's your favourite scene? You know, I,
1: I, I'm, I'm. Honestly, people, I've got to keep it short and sweet because I, um, I, I have a load and I could list them all off, but I'm not. The whole movie, from start to finish, is just one massive, huge time-travelling fantasy escapade
0: for myself. It's Terry Gillum. Gary, please, go. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, I love the future stuff. I wish there was more of it. Um, I loved all the details, the steampunk nature, all the, the pipes and and steam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I loved all that future stuff. I thought it was really well done. And, and again, it just... It, it, it set your mind up for this horrible, bleak future so that you are hopeful for the whole journey uh, that this can be prevented. And so it does feel like a downer of an ending in the fact that you no, know, even though they were trying to stop and prevent this, it can't be prevented. It's going to happen. But at least there's now the hope for a resolution back in the future etc um so all, all the future stuff i thought i thought was just really really well done um i think favorite scene for brad pitt it's the moment we get introduced to him where he's giving him the tour of the asylum just absolutely steals steals the the the, the, the scenes yeah uh, re- really really good um one of my favorite scenes is uh bruce willis in the car with uh with Madeline Stowe when he's going through the radio and uh, a blueberry hill song comes on and he, yeah, he has this wide eyed teary eyed wonder about hearing it. And, uh, and that there is, it's like Bruce Willis acting, like showing this emotion, uh, uh, which is just like, you don't, you never saw it up until this point. Mm. And he would, he would have more interesting roles beyond this as well. Yeah. And I guess the other scene is the scene where, because uh, again, for me, it's it's the big uh, linchpin of of Catherine's character when when uh, when Cole gets out of the car and she's there and she can escape now, she can get away from this. Yeah. Um. But again, it, it wasn't in the script, and uh, and it was only after you know audiences or or ideas were being put forward to Terry, like why is she staying with him when she can get away? Like, and again, like the love story not being believed enough. Um, and so this was uh, w- was there to to just go. She's made the decision. It's yes. her choice now yeah. to be here. She's not being dragged through the story no. by Cole. Uh, and I thought that was very very important. And uh, and she delivered that part really 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 well. Yeah. And uh, and of course I love the floating eyeball television set thing. <laughs> it's crazy. I that. <laughs> love that. Love that. Ian, do you recommend 12 Monkeys?
1: Uh, uh, at this moment in time, you know, at this moment, I might look back on this review in the future and go, oh, what the hell am I talking about? It's madness. Terry Gilliam doesn't know what he's doing behind a camera. He's a crazed madman. Brad Pitt, Bruce Willis, they're such bad actors. I may, I, may, I never know. There is no fate for what you make for yourself, I suppose, what they say. Yes. I totally, totally recommend 12 Monkeys. It is just masterful on a level that... I I said this to Gary before we started to film. When people say to me, Ian, why do you hate Dark Fate so much? Go and watch 12 Monkeys and you will see a good time travel movie.
0: Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) This for me is a top tier recommendation. It's an absolute must-watch, especially if you enjoy sci-fi and mystery and mind-bending, thought-provoking cinema. Hell yeah. Terry Gilliam has created a masterpiece out of his own insanity that is layered, (laughs) intriguing, creative, and very entertaining. The cast are all on top form, proving throughout the film how much range they have. Bruce Willis especially showing that vulnerability not seen till then. Brad Pitt was wild in his role, nailing that portrayal of a manic depressive mixed with schizophrenia. Really memorable. And the Madeline Stowe really helped bridge the two. Yes. We follow into the madness and who carries a lot of the emotional weight of the story. And the story is fantastic. I love how it <laughs> requires you to pay attention. Yeah. It doesn't hold your hand. You have to look for the little details in order to piece the whole picture together. And even more on repeat view, It gets better and better. The pace, the sudden love plot, was the only critical complaints. But again, after repeat viewings, the theme of a circle, you know, that it happens again and again. uh, I feel that it works and it's not forced. The music underpins the drama perfectly, never dominating. It fits wonderfully well. It's a really well-made labour of love an exploration of madness time and death you know it's an intelligent art house film in the hollywood system <laughs> but it's a classic one of the best and it gets one of the highest recommendations from me <laughs> thanks for watching off the shelf reviews I think to myself, what
1: a wonderful
0: my thrill, 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 thrill on blueberries